Well, this morning um, we are beginning a passage of Scripture that I find exhilarating and overwhelming at the same time. Uh, A passage that describes the call to holiness that we have that really is also a picture of Jesus who fulfills this perfectly. So however, however smitten you feel or are uh, during this series of messages uh, on Romans 12, 9 through 21, know this, that your Savior meets you and gives grace and help uh, to those in need. Uh, secondly, and on a personal note, I just wanted to let you know that Gail and I are leaving on Tuesday for the Thanksgiving holiday up on the coast of Maine. Um, I'm cooking dinner. I'm cooking Thanksgiving dinner. Um, lobster and steamed clams. We'll be, we'll be thinking of you. <laughs> Not for very long, but we'll be, we'll be thinking of you. And we're very delighted that uh, three of our four children will be uh, up there with us as well. So, um, if you don't see me this week, that's why. Um, also, you may have seen um, you may have seen the bulletin, um, uh, the insert, the uh, outline. You can pretty much just draw a line right through the whole thing. It doesn't have anything to do with what we're preaching on today. Um, I, I had expected that we were going to be looking at, at uh, the entirety of verses 9 and 10, and we're not at all going to do that. We're going to look primarily at the phrase, let your love be genuine, and, um, and see how this whole passage, 9 through 21, really speaks to that. So this is an introductory message on this chunk of text. So, I'll say some good things, and you can write things down. It just won't match the outline. Um, this, is, this is God's Word, then. Just these two verses. Let me read verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Our great, holy, and merciful God, we come um, into your presence uh, this morning um, thankful for your mercies. We come into your presence by your mercies. And we, um, we, we, in the course of this uh, time in your word, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And we pray that they would be, um, because they're in Christ, holy um, and, and, uh, and acceptable to you, O God. And we ask that you would be conforming us, uh, not to the thoughts and patterns of the world, but transforming us and conforming us to Jesus in the renewal of our minds. We are in a realm today that we cannot accomplish on our own. And so we come um, eagerly, humbly, and in full dependence upon the ministry of God 
who calls us and draws us, of the Holy Spirit who gives us life, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose death in our place has given us an eternity with God in heaven. Amen. May God, by His mercies, continue to reach down and change us. It is only by God's mercies that we can live together in the church. As we have seen in verses 3 through 8, God gives gifts, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, so that we can work together, we can cooperate together, uh, so that each one of us can find our or, the one that fits us, that suits us, and use it uh, on this ship called the church here at Faith. And we pray, God, for the discipline to use that oar, even when times the seas are high and the wind is against us, at all times. You are also members one of another. You belong to each other. Uh, You have unique and necessary gifts, unique to you and necessary to the body. And all that is by His mercy. But as we turn the page and we look at verses 9 through 21 this morning, we see that that, uh, it is also only by the mercies of God that we can love one another in the church. And what follows in what what verses 19 and 21 really is comprised of are are, are 28 uh, bullet points about what... Uh, genuine love is, what it looks like. And and these are not the gifts that God gives to His church, but they are the graces that God gives to us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to form us more and more after the image of Christ. First the gifts in verses 3-8, through and here the graces in, in, uh, in, in, in these verses. Now when we looked at the gifts we could maybe slot ourselves, fit ourselves, and we could say, well, I have this gift, but I don't have that gift, so I need to to pick up the ore that is associated with my gift. But I don't have all of them. You don't have all of them. But here, you can't choose which of the graces you're going to pursue. You can't pursue which of the graces you're satisfied with seeing in your life. You can't look at this passage and say, okay, all right, I will, I'm, I'm pretty good uh, at hospitality, so I'm going to, uh, that's the grace that I'm going to pursue. I'm not real good at showing affection for other people, so I'm not going to do that one. I'll invite people over, serve a good meal, but I'm not going to show brotherly affection for everybody. Whoa. Uh, that's not how this one works. <laughs> These are graces, Holy Spirit graces, that God is after you to plant in your life and to nourish in your life. You can't just choose some 
all of these graces are to be found in you. And, and it really is Paul's pattern to see uh, that uh, he, he will talk about the gifts oftentimes, and then he'll talk about the graces. And that's certainly the pattern, the pattern that he, he fo- uh, follows here is, is the pattern that we see, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And you may flip over a couple of pages to that section, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and we see here in, in chapter 12 that you are the body of Christ. In verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not that each of you has all of the gifts, but you each have a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Uh, and yet, and that's good and wonderful. But then he, then he says at the end of that chapter, but I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and so forth, and let me pick it up in in verse 4. Listen, this is the excellent way. This is the genuine love to which God calls us. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect come, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And the next verse, pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, but pursue Love. And so what Paul is saying here is that without love, um, you are nothing. And without love, all you do is nothing. So our simple, clear point this morning is to be genuine in your love. That's the first thing. That's the main thing. Be genuine in your love. Well, love is, of course, the the, the great commandment. It's even uh, mentioned by Paul in the the middle of the next chapter, chapter 13 of Romans. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love fulfills the law. It is obedience. And so Paul opens up verse 9. Love's your duty. Love is your responsibility. Love is the one thing that you're to be involved in. 
Just make sure it's genuine. Do it without hypocrisy. Do it with sincerity. And the Greek word that is behind this word, uh, love is genuine, is that idea of hypocrisy. It's play acting. It's putting on a mask. It's, it's being involved in a show and you've got a, co- you've got a costume on and you've got a mask on and you are acting out another part. Kids, in a couple of weeks, I think there's going to be a Christmas program here and some of you are going to be shepherds. But you're not. You're playing at being a shepherd. That's okay in a Christmas program. It is not okay in life. You don't wear masks. You don't pretend to be someone you're not. Now, as we look at this, I want to look at, first of all, in our relationship to God. We've got to start there. There can be no genuine love without first a genuine relationship with God. And then there is how we relate to one another. But it's got to start with God. We just sang a couple of hymns. What, what were you thinking about? Were you thinking about what you were singing or did your mind float just a little bit? I'll tell you right now, and I'm the guy preaching the sermon, one of the hymns, my mind was floating somewhere else for a bit. And that's, that's the part of the human heart, isn't it? We hear God's word. Will we be like those referred to in James who, 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 who were hearers only but not doers? Yeah, they can ass- assent to God's word. Yes, it's true. Yes, that's what we're supposed to do, but not do it. Or think they're doing it well enough. Or we can confess our sins. We get to that part in the order of service. And and, and we can feel bad for a little while. Maybe some remorse. But it is possible to go through that part of our liturgy week after week. Hear the Word of God. How it affects affects not just what we do, but our affections as well. And our gestures. What I thought of at that point was I'm thinking about sometimes when someone is doing something we think is kind of corny or stupid or when our parents are just being parents, you know, we're kind of rolling our eyes at them, aren't we, kids? Amen. Yeah, just, you know. God calls you not just in your deeds, but in your affection and in your gestures to perfect holiness. Do we take that seriously? Or do we go through the motions of confession, maybe having remorse for a while, but having no intention of changing? And to the extent that we do that, we are hypocrites, we are actors, and we are worshiping the living God with a mask on. God says this, worship God. Um, He was describing in Isaiah and picked up in Matthew and Mark. They worship God outwardly, but their hearts are far from Him. Sometimes that speaks to us. Or as Jesus devoted a whole chapter to this problem in Matthew 23, the Pharisees clean the outside of the cup, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. How frequently we are content with presenting a, a nice exterior, but, but inside there is unchecked greed and self-indulgence Amen. or a host of other nasty sins. Amen. But as we are attractive on the outside, 
we can content ourselves that that's enough. Well, that is relationship to God, but in relationship to other people. Again, we can be content with looking nice, with being moral, um, with being decent people, and, and we can even sometimes want to put our family on display. We get, as parents, we get energy out of the obedience of our kids sometimes. We get a little honor. Or we like it. Based on how well our family is doing. And so we project an image that things are quite different from what they really are. We can be content to be, to be, we can be content to be nice and shiny on the outside, and yet at home we can permit ugly Nasty talk. And even on the way to church, we can snap at each other and then open the door and say, Hi! How are you? The problem here is pretending to be something that we're not. And here it's even more serious. And that is, we would rather look good than be good. Now, now is there anyone here who can say, well, I always love my brother with a warm and tender affection. Not just those in my family, but everyone here. I love genuinely all all the time. Can anyone make that statement? You see, this is in all of us. We all fall short. It's it's everybody's problem. So what is the solution to hypocrisy so that we are able to love in a genuine fashion? Remember, this is all dependent on the mercies of Christ. But sometimes, and I've heard heard people who profess to be Christians (coughs) adopt a worldly solution to this problem and, and say something like this. Well, they, they, will, they will let the evil that is in their hearts overflow and come out of their mouths because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Uh, just self-indulgent, right? <laughs> I don't, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. Um, and so they drop the pretense and, and they become just as na- and nasty and as catty as can be just because they want to be honest. Please, that's... that's That's not the direction we're going here. Worldly solution. I'll just be honest. Please don't. (laughs) The daring question then is, is is heart change possible? What, What we have seen from the larger catechism, and even just in this initial peak at this passage, calls for a radical change of heart. To be genuine without masks. To to truly abhor what is evil in my own heart and deal with it aggressively. And have the courage to be honest about the evil in your heart and deal with that humbly. The law applies inside. The law... The law is like, it's, it's like that, um, the, 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 the dye that you 
that you inject in the human body and then you take an MRI, is it, and you see where the dye collects through the MRI and you can see the spot inside the body. The law does that. It identifies that area that needs the attention and that's where, that's where the gospel works. Well, hear, hear, hear me here. We, of course, we are all still sinners, even after we have come to faith in Jesus. After we have, have acknowledged our sin to Him and, and uh, confessed that we need His forgiveness and His righteousness, we have become new creatures, we have a new heart, but we are not totally free from sin. Newsflash, we are not totally free from sin. We still have what the Scripture and what our confession calls the corruption in us. And so the problem is deceitfulness remains even in the most mature Christian. Each of us here has to deal with and and challenge and come to understand the, the contours and the nuances of our own deceitfulness. Of course you don't love everyone with honest, genuine, brotherly affection. The question is, what do you do about that? Do you simply insist on raising the mask again and pretending? Or or come uh, to God in a plea for mercy and the life-changing work of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what we're going to be doing over the next... Well, a break for Christmas, but starting in January, coming, coming to this, saying, Holy Spirit, I need you to do, I want you to do a thorough job of renovation so I can be one who is genuine in my love, so that I can be one who abhors what is evil and doesn't hold it close to me and sort of protect protect it and have it in a corner of my heart where it cannot be touched. I want to hold fast to only what is good. I want to love others truly with a brotherly affection where you have, you reach down and change not only my externals, but my affections, my will. And I want to be one, I want to be one, Holy Spirit, make me like Jesus, so I seek out ways to honor other people, even when I'm not getting from them the honor that I would like. Did you hear me? We can look at each other and say, I want you to honor me this way, and if you, if your honor reaches a level, a threshold that I'm satisfied with, when I will honor you back. That is not the way it works. We outdo one another in showing honor. And that's a Holy Spirit work. And so, it is true that we are all sinners, but it is also true that if our faith is in Jesus, we are all being sanctified, and God graciously exposes our sin to us. That's part of the process. Even our hypocrisy. It is God's grace even to see our hypocrisy and then pray for Him to root it out by word and spirit. I know you're involved in a struggle. I know this is a fight. We are engaged in a struggle. But listen, your struggle to love well is not evidence that you don't have grace, but evidence that you do. 
Your struggle to love well is not an evidence that you are not a Christian, but rather evidence as you struggle against the flesh that you are. It's a desire to be transformed. And that is a fight of faith. If you don't struggle, you don't care. There's no sadness over these things, no grief. That is a much worse condition to be in. Pray for God's mercy. But for those of you who are Christians, even as you struggle, it is by the grace of God. Well, the third point here then is the dynamic of love. The dynamic of love. How does, how does, how does the, how does, how does it work? How does it work? And I'm going to go, going to go to John Murray here for a statement that, um, this is a summary and then I'll use his statement. But John Murray was saying this, that the only way to keep the law, the only way to keep the law of love is by the controlling love of Christ Jesus. This, this is taken directly from, uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, beginning, I'll read verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ controls us, constrains us. Because we have concluded that, we've concluded this, that one has died for us all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ ignites in us a flame of obedience. I, I have from time to time been um, been asked by people who use the church building to start that commercial oven we have in the kitchen. They can't start it. They can't figure out how to turn it on. Well, I know where the I know where the switch is to turn turn it uh, uh, perpendicular uh, so that the gas goes to the stove. I got that part. But I, for the life of me, can't find to stick the wand under there. I can't, for the life of me, find the place to to where the gas is coming out so that actually actually lights up. But there is a pilot. I know there's got to be a pilot light that you turn on and that can empower that stove. I'm, I would like to see it. Maybe one of you could show me that one of one of these days. But here now is is uh, John Murray's comment. This is a quote: "Our flame." Our flame is always ignited by the flame of Christ's love. And it is the Holy Spirit who sheds abroad in our hearts the igniting flame of the love of God in Christ Jesus. The love that is ignited is the fruit of the Spirit. The love that is ignited comes from the ignition of seeing and beholding and receiving and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ in His love for us that so humbles us and delights us and moves us then to love others. Knowing the love of God for you creates the love of God in you. Did you hear that? Knowing the love of God for you ignites and creates and and ignites the love of God in you. 
And if you do a little bit of reverse engineering there, what you find out is if I have little love, if I have little love in any of the way that it's described here in Romans chapter 12, it's because my, my, my knowledge of the love of God is defective. My knowledge of the love of God is defective. Well, what do we do? We look at this passage, all of these verses here, we look at these verses and we say it is a sobering and yet exhilarating description, not only of what we are called to do, but what Christ already is doing for us. His love is genuine. He abhors what is evil, but has held fast to what is good. He has loved us with brotherly affection that we are so far from deserving. And He is the one who outdoes us in showing honor. And He, um, he has, was, was, the, was never slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit as He served the Lord. He was the one who rejoiced in hope, was patient in tribulation, was constant in prayer. And He contributed, to put it mildly, contributed to the needs of the saints and to show hospitality from heaven to get us to heaven, and so forth. So people, what is your goal? What is your goal? As we think about love being genuine, what is your goal? Is it the glory of God? Or is it just to get along with people? Is it the glory of God? Or just sort of not rock the boat? Let's take a look for just a moment as an illustration. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. We acknowledge that our hearts are often divided. We hate evil. Except when we don't. We have allowed it to grow unchecked in our own heart but it never stays in a small, little, insignificant place. Evil, unchecked, will grow and pollute its surroundings inevitably. So we pursue, in a genuine love for God and for other people, we first must be aggressive in dealing with the evil in our own heart, but then also... We, we, our love for others in order to be genuine must be in accordance with what is in their best interest and we must hate what interferes with their best interest and our love for them must prevent or must promote their, promote their godliness, their holiness. In order to love genuinely, what we, what, how we relate to one another is, is the glory of God and what is good, what is beneficial for that person is more important than what I happen to want at any given at any given time. Let me give you an example. All right, we want to do that which is best for the person that we are seeking there to love. Two two problems that we have to encounter have to deal with. Two areas in which we may fall. We may speak when we should be silent. We may, improperly, wrongly, we may speak when we should be silent. Words that tear down. Words that criticize. 
Words that simply defend ourselves rather than caring about the person that we're talking to, rather than listening to the person we're talking to. We, we sometimes speak when we should be silent. But just as bad, sometimes we are silent when we should speak. It struck me just this past week um, at LEARN, building full of beautiful children and mothers and grandfathers and everybody else. It's a great time. But, but someone who has, I've gotten to know has heard, heard, heard her using the name of the Lord in vain. And um, I was reluctant to say anything. There were kids around. It could have been a little awkward. But what struck me is that all of us can listen silently when God's name is dishonored. But listen to this. God, this is serious. God will not hold her guiltless as she uses his name in vain. God will not hold you guiltless as you use his name in vain. This is a serious conversation. You see how love can lack genuineness when we care more about the social dynamics of the situation rather than the glory of God. That's not genuine. That's not abhorring what is evil. It's not clinging to what is good. Well, finally, dear Jesus loved without hypocrisy. He truly hated what is evil. In fact, he was willing to take our evil on. He was willing to die, uh, to die in it. He was willing to die for us in order to set us free from it. Jesus, Jesus was serious about, about dealing with sin and not tolerating hypocrisy. Um, I, I, there was a, there, you know, I think this happened. I saw a picture of it on Facebook or Instagram or something, so it's got to be true. But there was, a, there was a, a, a sign in front of a church, a sign in front of a church that says this, God believes in you. Amen. When my, when my self-esteem starts to leak out and I'm not feeling real good in my it's really good to know God believes in me, right? Wow. This is what Jesus says, and this is really important for us. Jesus didn't entrust himself to people. Second chapter of John. Jesus knew what was in their hearts. He knew that people were weak and fickle and hot and cold and up and down and and loved him and hated him. He didn't entrust himself to people because he knows what's in us but he did love us so that you can entrust yourself to him. And this is the place, this is the place, more than any other place you can live or be, where we are free to take off our masks to trust him, Amen. to acknowledge the sufficiency of Christ, to take off masks so that we can actually help one another. And encourage one another. Let the walls come down as they are in many places. My goodness. You're a beautiful, 
people of God. And we are called then and enabled to be those who love with genuineness, following our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we do um, give you praise and adoration today. And it is so refreshing to us to know that your love is genuine. It is clean. It is unchanging. It is strong. It is powerful. It is deep. And it, and it, you confront us lovingly in our hypocrisy to let us know, to remind us by the Holy Spirit that there's another way. And how we praise you for that. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.